You guys are the best. I was thinking as each uh, life group was like hollering for their group, the freshmen's kind of like had their little bit of noise. I went to the freshman Bible study not too long ago. It was awesome, by the way. Uh, and then the sophomore junior life group was loud. I was like, oh man, the sanctification is happening. <laughs> and they are so excited about it. And I love that for you. <laughs> um, who knows me? Okay, so some of you, good. Okay, so I'm, I'm in a good, good room of people. If you don't know me, I'm Brian. Um, that's all there is to know about me. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, you've been in a message series for the last however many weeks about what God is like, the truth about God, right? And uh, today I have the privilege of sharing with you about God's faithfulness. I'm really excited to share with you about God's faithfulness. I had written a message that I was very excited to share with you. And the more that I prayed about it, the more God changed about it. And thus, a completely new message for you tonight. So uh, we're doing it. Um, but before we get into it, I want to ask you, I actually want a response. Uh, what does faithfulness mean to you? Some of those loud sophomores, juniors. <laughs> what does faithfulness mean to you? Like loyal. loyal? Believing. Believing. Obedience. Okay. Yeah, if you're faithful, you, you are obedient. Yeah. Reliable. Reliable. Constant. Constant. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Being true to your word is a good example of being faithful. What do you think of when you think about God's faithfulness? What is, that, what is God's faithfulness? When I say God is faithful, have you ever heard that before? God is faithful, you've heard it before. What does that mean to you? Everlasting. Everlasting. Yeah. Trustworthy. Trustworthy, that's good. Steadfast, Steadfast. yeah. Man, you guys are nailing it. Couple more? Yeah, consistent. That's a good word. Patient. That he is. Loving, for sure. Yeah. So we're going to talk about God's faithfulness, and I hope that by the end of this, uh, we have an a richer idea of what that means. You guys are on the right track. Um, so for those of you who don't know, much of the Bible is written in the Hebrew language, and the Hebrew language has far more depth, a more full, richer meaning to the words than the English language does. And so when you read the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, um, I don't read Hebrew, but some smarter people than me have read Hebrew and translated it and can help you understand some things that if you don't know the original meaning the way God actually inspired his word through the through, by the Holy Spirit through the original authors, his original intent of his word to that originally intended audience, that is what God's word means. Sometimes you have to look at what the Hebrew means or what the Greek means. And in this particular case, when we're wanting to get to know God and understand God's faithfulness, it's really helpful to understand what the original language means because we hear the word faithfulness and we just use the word faithful. And the way that, that the Hebrew language actually, uh, what it means when it says faithful, we actually can't just say faithful. We would have to say true faithful, like true slash faithful. It's like a blending of the two meanings of true 
and faithful. So we just use the word faithful, but it's really helpful to understand both. So to be true is to be in accordance with fact or reality, exact to something. That is to be true to something, you would be exact to something. To be faithful is actionable loyalty. So a firm adherence to a certain way. So when the Bible calls God faithful, it actually means that he is in accordance with a fact or reality, and that is he is exact to himself. He is exact to himself, and he is unwavering in his adherence to his promises. So he is exact to himself and unwavering in his adherence to his promises. That would, that's really what it means when you say God is faithful. Uh, so when, w- another thing we have to consider, anytime we're considering something like an attribute of God, there are uh, what, what a theologian might call communicable adri- attributes of God or incommunicable attributes of God. But really all that I mean by that is there are some attributes of God that in his divine nature and in my human nature, I can never be like him. I can never be omnipotent, okay? I can never be omniscient. I can never be all places at the same time. I can never know all things. I cannot be like him in those attributes. There are some other attributes that you might call moral attributes. These are characteristics of God that we can strive to be like, that is to be godly, right? So we practice godliness, we pursue godliness. We wanna be like God in those attributes. Those are things like his goodness and his faithfulness and his wisdom. Okay, we'll never be perfect like God, but we should strive to be like God. And we can be in some ways in those things. Now, the reason I bring that up with you today is in our human nature, believe it or not, we typically uh, read things or learn things or hear things from our preconceived notions about them or from our own perspective about them. And so if you take a moral attribute of God, something that, that a, a human could sort of be like, and you interpret it through that lens of your own understanding, then, then you think about God's faithfulness, what's gonna happen is you will not come to the right conclusion on God's faithfulness. You'll have a very incomplete perspective on God's faithfulness, and then you'll go about your life living like God is one version of faithfulness that you've thought up in your head, when in reality, his faithfulness means something totally different. And so even though we can share in these moral attributes of God and we can strive to become like them and we should strive to become like them, we also have to understand that God is different from us and he is perfect in these things. And and, and beyond, really beyond our full comprehension of, in these things. And so the reason I say this regarding his faithfulness is because you could be faithful, right? So there's a moral attribute, we're trying to be like God. You could be faithful. You could not be faithful, right? And you should try to become faithful. You should try to be like God in his faithfulness, but you could also not be faithful. And as, as, as much as you want your faithfulness to become perfect like God's, your faithfulness n- never will be perfect like God's. And so the reality is that also means you may have experienced someone else's imperfect faithfulness. And you might be hurt by 
their unfaithfulness, a friend or a loved one, their disloyalty. Maybe they broke your trust or they hurt you. And now if you take that and you think of God's faithfulness from that perspective, you're not going to trust him the way that you should. You're not going to love him the way that you should. You're not going to give him the glory that he is due for his faithfulness. I think his faithfulness is, is one of the things that should, should cause us to worship him and to glorify him and to celebrate him. And so that's what I want. Uh, the, that's the goal of the message tonight. Um, so the reality is it would be a mistake to think of God's faithfulness from our preconceived notions, from our human point of view or perspective. The reality is that God is faithful and he can't not be faithful. He is always faithful. He has always been faithful. He will always be faithful. And his faithfulness is not just something that he does. It's who he is. Faithfulness is something you can do. I can do faithfulness. I will never be perfectly faithful. And so we, we really need to develop a new perspective on what it means because if God were ever to not be faithful, then he would be denying his very own nature, which he can't do. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, this isn't in your notes, I added it today, so you might write it down. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He can't not be faithful. He's always faithful. So when we learn about and depend on God's faithfulness, we really need to grasp it for what it really is, which is an undeniable trait that God can never waver from. He will always be faithful. Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant of loving devotion for a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. He is God. He is the faithful God. And the most important example of his faithfulness is that he will always, always has, always will keep his covenant of loving devotion through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And he is always faithful to that. And he always will be. He has been for a thousand generations. He will never de deviate from that. For all eternity, he will be faithful. He will always be completely faithful. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He will never speak and then not act. He will never give you truth and then not adhere to it. He will never promise something and then not fulfill it. He is perfectly faithful. Because God is God, we need to recognize how perfect his faithfulness is. If I haven't gotten that clear enough to you yet, his perfect faithfulness, it should encourage us and it should comfort us and it should secure us and it should motivate us and it should stir us to worship him and to glorify him. And it should calm us down when we need 
calmed down and it should excite us and build us up when we need to be built up and it should send us out to share his love and, and our testimony of his faithfulness to other people. Um, because God is God and because you are not and I am not, we also need to recognize that ultimately his faithfulness is not about us. And this should be really encouraging. God's faithfulness is not about you. And that is a good thing. Now, because we most often, this is why I say this, because we most often need God's faithfulness when we are in hardship, and thus we experience his faithfulness getting us through that, it would be really easy for us to think that his faithfulness is actually about us, but it is absolutely not. Um, now, God's faithfulness will always benefit us, but it's not actually about us. Because God is perfectly good, and he's always looking for ways to show his goodness, in his faithfulness to that, we experience the blessing of it. So it always benefits us, but it's never actually about us. Because God is true and his truth is always best for us, his faithfulness always benefits us, but his faithfulness isn't actually about us. And that is what makes his faithfulness so dependable. That his faithfulness doesn't, doesn't actually have anything to do with us. And that, that is what makes it so dependable. So Remember how the Bible describes faithfulness, true, exact, adherence, promises. God is true to himself. In fact, he is the only being in all of existence that should be true to themselves. I should not be true to myself. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. You should not be true to yourself. We should try, we should, we should aim to be true to God, but God will always be true to himself. The rest of us should try to be true to him. He's true to himself. He's unwavering in his adherence to his promises. And that means that you can absolutely depend on every word that has ever been spoken in scripture, whether it be a promise or a warning, an encouragement or an exhortation. You can depend on his word and know with absolute certainty what the outcome will be like because God is faithful. Are you starting to see how helpful this could be for us? The reality is God's faithfulness will always be on display in our lives, no matter what choice we make. You realize that? That's why his faithfulness is dependable. It's not about us. God's faithfulness will always be on display in our lives, no matter what choice we make. Now, I don't mean that your choices don't matter. Actually, the extreme opposite of that. Because God is perfectly faithful, the decisions you make have radical implications on how you will experience God's faithfulness. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. This is both extremely comforting and a very serious warning. So I wanna share a little bit of my life story with you to illustrate. Um, 
like I said, I've prepared something else, so hopefully this is helpful. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I grew up in a great home. Uh, amazing parents. I grew. Uh, my dad planted the church that I'm a part of now. I loved my family. They are a great example of how you should plant and pastor and lead a church and care for your kids and and blend all of that in a way that honors God. I'm so grateful for that. Um, that 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 is God's faithfulness to me. Uh, I commit my life to Christ when I was 10. I believed in God as long as I can remember. But when I was 10 years old. I started BMX racing. That was the first time that I really saw, like I'm seeing like 10 year olds like cussing out their dads and dads yelling at their kids. And that was the first time that I really realized like, oh wow, there's a really big difference between someone who believes in God and someone who has surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. And so I commit my life to Christ. And um, I, I started to grow a little bit then in my early teen years, mid teen years, uh, I met Paul Wooster which some of you might know, Paul Wooster started this Christian challenge, like I think almost 14 years ago. So I met Paul Wooster. Uh, he really helped me take things like my Bible reading and my prayer life and evangelism and scripture memory to the next level. He, he would, I would say, is the first person who really intentionally discipled me. Um, and then I went to school. I was a part of a great campus ministry. Um, and so things are like checking out, right? Like pretty good so far. All the while in this, I, I do remember like a distinct heaviness, just, just kind of a weight about life. Uh, now through college, <laughs> I, was, um, I had some ups and downs, but, but for the most part, I was faithful to the ministry uh, that I was a part of, like Christian Challenge. I was in a fraternity. Uh, I got to see about 25 people the year we started um, a, a ministry segment for fraternities and sororities. We saw about 25 people commit their life to Christ. Um, so again, God's faithfulness, like doing amazing things through broken people because he is so gracious and so kind. Uh, so that was like a really, really cool experience. Um, I, got, I got out of college, I got married, and I was just like, I was so, I'll go on 100 miles an hour towards being in finance. And I loved investments, I loved the stock market. Um, very business-minded, like I really just wanted to be, be successful. And I, I was the guy that was like, yeah, I want to be rich and give so much money to the church. When in like reality, like, no, I wanted a lot of money. And if it helps, the, if me saying that helped me get it, then, you know, that might be cool. Um, now I got married and life got really hard. And, and transitioning out of college life is really hard, if you don't know that yet. We can talk more about that. Um, but I, I, got, I got discouraged. Life was hard. Life was frustrating. This heaviness that I had experienced was just getting stronger and stronger. Um, what I didn't realize was that it was perfectly correlating with me pursuing my own goals of success and status and what people thought about me and this career. Um, and so, so life is like kind of starting to get mixed up a little bit. Now, thankfully, because God is faithful, he helped me to realize that. And so we were living in Oklahoma at the time. I went to the University of Oklahoma and I thought all of a sudden this thought from God out of the blue, I was like, oh, we can move. Like we don't actually have to stay here. And thankfully I heard some really great advice um, from a mentor and pastor of my parents. And he had said, don't ever move somewhere based on a job. Don't ever move somewhere based on a career or based on a location. You should move somewhere based on a church 
that you know can help you, right? Matthew 6, says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you all that you need. Orient your life around kingdom values, around growing in your relationship with God and he will give you all that you need. So thankfully, again, God is faithful. I remembered that advice. And so I thought, okay, well, where can I move? I can move uh, here, I can move here, or I can move back to Chico, but I was never gonna move back to Chico. So the more that I prayed about it, the more that I realized, oh, I think God wants me to move back to Chico. That's a really great church with really great people that can help us and can help me with some of these problems that I'm having that I wasn't willing to admit to anyone, okay? Like, don't do that. Um, that can help us in our marriage and can hold us accountable and can like really like help our hearts become connected with God. Um, so thankfully, again, God is faithful. I, I, he helped me to realize that. So uh, we decide we're gonna move to Chico. Now, I wanted to go back to school because I wanted to get a degree in finance and accounting. I had studied management before. And so um, I applied to Chico State, got into Chico State. Um, then uh, Brittany, my wife, had graduated nursing school. And so we wanted to move somewhere that had a great church that could really help us. And it'd be helpful if I could get a degree in finance and accounting and if my wife could get a job in nursing so that uh, we could live. And, um, <laughs> and so... I got into Chico State, everything was lining up. We were got a place to live, like everything's good. Now, uh, Inlo calls Brittany back through a connection and says, hey, Brittany, actually we decided that um, we're not gonna hire new graduates anymore. So you're gonna have to go get some experience somewhere else and then you can get a job here. And she had this great job offer in Oklahoma City. They were gonna pay off her loans, all of these things. And we thought, no, 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 no. We're, we're perfectly clear, God wants us to move back to Chico. So we decided to move to Chico Three days after we arrived in Chico, Inlo called Brittany back and said, hey, actually, we changed our mind. We have three openings. Do you want to come in and interview? And she got the job, got licensed, and worked at Inlo for like eight years. It was amazing. Now we get to Chico, and I'm thinking, okay, great. Like, God is faithful. He got us here. He got us a job. Everything's going to turn around. But guess what? I didn't actually change. I was still pursuing my own goals and my own interests. I wasn't being open and honest with people about struggles that I was having, that we were having in our marriage. And, and I like, I doubled down on that. And, and Brittany kind of was pursuing her own things with nursing and she actually did CrossFit at the time. I didn't like it because I was golfing. <laughs> but man, okay, let me just like wrap up the next little while by saying it was miserable. And, and I made so many foolish choices. And, I, and, and actually, like if you looked at all the boxes that needed to be checked, like did the discipleship program, was a part of the Bible study, went to church every Sunday, served, read my Bible most days. Like I, had che I was checking all of those boxes, but in my heart, I was growing frustrated and I was growing discontent. Now, I didn't realize this at the time, but looking back on it, I can realize what was actually happening was I wasn't living with my heart and my life surrendered to God. I was going my own way, pursuing my own interests, trying to build my own status and my own success and my own career. And I was just trying to bring God along with that. And I actually thought it would work. But what happened was I got more and more frustrated, more and more miserable to where eventually it built up to a point where I was saying, I don't think God is faithful. I know that the Bible says that God is good and that he'll work all things together for your good and that he loves you. And, and I know the Bible talks about like 
Jesus dying to give us abundant life, fullness of life in him and, and, and peace that transcends understanding and fullness of joy in this grand picture of the Christian life that the Bible portrays. And that is not what I was experiencing. And what I thought was, I've checked all the boxes and I'm taking the right steps and I'm doing the right things. Why am I not getting these outcomes? And, and the conclusion that I realize now that I came to was that God's not faithful. And, and maybe I don't really, like maybe this, the Bible and everything the Bible says, maybe this isn't truly true. Like maybe it's like good ideas, but maybe it doesn't really work because I'm doing a lot of the things the Bible says to do and I'm not experiencing what the Bible says I will experience by doing those things. Now I realize again, looking back, I can see my heart was not surrendered to God, okay? But I thought, boxes were checked, that I was aligned. And so I got to a point where I walked away. And, and I, I mean, honestly, really gave up. I gave up on God, I gave up on my marriage, I was over it. I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated that God wasn't faithful, that he wasn't true. That was so frustrating. It was so disappointing. And so I, th I thought, you know what? If, if life is going to be miserable, I might as well have fun with it. Like if life's going to be miserable anyways, why not just do the things I want to do? And so I did. And then you know what happened? God was faithful. And what happened was, and I realized, God was always faithful. The problem is I wasn't really in my heart of hearts what God cares about most, okay? Like the boxes being checked is generally helpful, but that's not actually what God's getting at. God wants your heart. He wants your heart and your life surrendered to him, okay? He wants to be in close communion with him. He wants to be your priority in life. He wants to be your primary aim in life, and he wasn't mine. And so what I realized was I went the other way. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to experience all these good things that the Bible says by doing those things. I'm just going to go do these other things. Why not? And then what happened was funny. Because God was faithful, I started to experience every single thing the Bible says you will experience when you rebel against God. Okay, like I started, I mean, I can't even get into tonight all of the things that went wrong in my life that were directly in response to my rebellion, to my arrogance, to my pride, to my sin and my foolishness. And God proved himself faithful. He was faithful and his faithfulness in disciplining me and being true to himself and being true to his word showed me how great his faithfulness is. And it made me realize maybe the problem wasn't God's faithfulness. Maybe the problem was that my heart wasn't really in it. I wasn't truly surrendered in every aspect of my life to him. And maybe there was something missing with the way that I was going through this life because God is faithful and I've seen that through his discipline. I've seen him prove his word to be perfectly true, perfectly accurate over here. So maybe the problem wasn't God and his faithfulness. Maybe I was the problem. And so there was this moment of repentance and change of direction. And Acts 3.19 says, repent then and turn to God. 
that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that is what I experienced. And man, I thought I was a long way off from God. But what I realized was the moment that I turned around, he was right there, ready to embrace me, ready to show me his grace. And as soon as I was finally willing to surrender my life to him, truly my heart to him, and to seek him and to prioritize him and to forsake all else in my life in pursuit of him, all of the sudden, I realized all of the blessing that the Bible talks about. I realized peace that transcends understanding. I realized fullness of joy. And the problems of my life did not immediately go away. But it almost didn't matter. Because God was was proving his faithfulness to me. And so I experienced God's faithfulness. Now, Now, because of that, I thought, you know what? God has helped me to experience everything that his word says is good and is true. And he's helped me to realize peace. I mean, that heaviness that I had always felt was lifted for the first time. And and I thought, man, that's what everybody wants. I mean, that is what every single person on this planet wants. And if I could help anybody experience that, I I would give up everything. And sure enough, God is faithful and gave me the opportunity uh, to, to pastor people now and to love people and to share with people his faithfulness and his grace. And so I don't even know how long I just took. How am I doing on, doing on time, David? Okay. We're, we're getting there, guys. Okay, we're getting there, okay? I just wanted to share that story to show God's faithfulness and to show you that no matter what direction you choose to go in life, you will experience his faithfulness. And so the choices that we make radically affect how we experience his faithfulness. And so my encouragement to you is position yourself to benefit by his grace and by his love and, and, and by the blessing of his faithfulness. Because one way or another, you will experience his faithfulness. It will be through discipline because he is true to his word or it will be through blessing because he is true to his word. And that is why you can depend on God's faithfulness because it's really not about you. It is who he is no matter what you do. And that's why you can depend on his faithfulness. God is faithful. He is consistent to himself. He upholds his promises. He will always be faithful. And his faithfulness, whether it be through blessing or discipline, is always to your benefit. And even his discipline, I now realize, is an act of his love. And it's an act of his mercy. I deserved far worse but he showed me grace by disciplining me, by being faithful. And in that faithfulness, drawing me to him into a life that is peaceful. And now I get to help other people experience that. And that's amazing. God has revealed to us in scripture all of the ways that he works. Scripture is perfect. It is sufficient. And his scripture has revealed to us all of the ways that he works, the ways that he designed the universe to work, and for better or worse, the outcomes that you will experience 
based on the decisions that you make, based on how you choose to live. So if I live within the boundaries of God's providential care, I will experience peace and blessing. If I go outside the boundaries, if I rebel, then I will experience frustration and difficulty. God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Now, what I don't mean by his blessing is I don't mean health or wealth, okay? I don't mean that you'll magically pass that math exam that you didn't prepare for if you obey God. Uh, I don't mean that if you obey God, then life is easy and you won't have hardship. We live in a broken world. It's going to happen. Life is going to be hard. You are going to experience things like illness and poverty. Like it's just the way that it is. Difficult times will come. But if you trust God with your life, you will have peace that surpasses understanding. Joy beyond what this world could ever offer to you. And, And a fulfillment and a purpose in life that can only be found in him because he is faithful. Because God is faithful, consistent, true to himself, and all of the ways that he's outlined in scripture, you can be sure of what, you, what will and will not work in your approach to life. And you can be sure that if you align with God, his faithfulness will bless you beyond what you could measure. Okay, I'm gonna blast through this last part. So if you want to experience the joy of God's faithfulness, these are some practices that you can think about. First, know God. Know God. I mean, really get to know him. Spend time with him. Make it a priority every day. Don't just go through the motions of spiritual activity, but really get to know God. I mean, ask yourself, Do I know God better today? Not even do I know more about God. Do I know God better today? Am I closer with God today? Do I know what he is like and how he works and what he says about life? And that's the goal of reading the Bible, right? Like reading the Bible isn't just a religious duty or activity that we need to fill. Its purpose is to get to know God. And it is absolutely amazing that the living God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you and has revealed himself to you through scripture. And and you can, by, by, by seeking him in his word, all of the mysteries of life and himself can be uncovered. That's amazing. Remember, Numbers 23, 19, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He has spoken to you in a thousand different ways through scripture. He has made countless promises to you through scripture. Do you know them? Do you know the promises that he's made for your life? Do you know what he said about himself and the way that he's made life to work? You should know them. You should know the stories of his faithfulness throughout scripture. I was trying to find the right story to use about God's faithfulness, and I realized literally everything in the Bible is a story about God's faithfulness. (laughs) He's always true. He's always faithful to his word. Isaiah 55, 10 to 11 says, For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return without watering the earth, 
making it bud and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and it will prosper where I send it. So my encouragement to you is receive the word of God into your life. Receive the word of God into your heart. Humbly accept his absolute truth. That's one of the best ways to get to know God. Another way to get to know God that's just as essential as through his word is to get to know him through his spirit, through the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's in Ephesians. I think it's Ephesians 1. God's spirit is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And his spirit is always with you. If you're a Christian, if you've committed your life to Christ, God's spirit is with you. He's in you. That's why you can have such a close, constant, personal relationship with him. And the Bible says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. That's daily. First Corinthians says uh, about this. First Corinthians 2, 9 to 12 says, Rather, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except his own spirit within him? So too, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Living by the spirit, walking in step with the spirit, being in, in sync and full of the Holy Spirit is one of the surest ways to experience the blessing of God's faithfulness. Romans 8, 6 says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Man, if you want a life of peace, I mean, real life and peace, let the Holy Spirit govern your mind. So get to know God in his word and by his spirit. Number two, praise God. Praise God. Remind yourself of God's faithfulness and praise him for his faithfulness. Surrender your situation and your heart to him in praise. Reflect on who he is and what he will do. Release your concerns to him. Get the focus off of yourself and focus on God and his goodness and his faithfulness. Fix your heart and your mind on him. God is God. And that means that he is always worthy of praise, no matter how you feel, in large part because he is faithful. The Psalms are great examples of this type of praise. Psalm 111, 7 to 8. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. Man, there might be some days that you need to remind yourself of that and praise God for it. If you want to experience the joy of his faithfulness, praise him for it. Psalm 89, 1-2, and then verse 8 says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. That's a song of praise for God's faithfulness. 
So we should know God. We should praise God. Lastly, we should obey God. We should obey God. God's faithfulness should encourage us. It should inspire us. It should comfort us. It should fuel us. It should also humble us. And it should put in us a reverence for him that causes us to take him very seriously, to obey him. Because God is faithful, we should obey him. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly. That's a life of obedience. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Through the ups and downs of life, when everything else is unstable, when everything else is uncertain, hold unswervingly to the hope you profess, because he who promised is faithful. He is the one solid foundation of truth that will always get you through whatever you face in life. He is unshakable. You can depend on him because of his faithfulness. So if you want to maximize the joy of God's faithfulness in your life, obey him. Know him, praise him, obey him. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant of loving devotion for a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. I'll close by giving briefly one last example of God's faithfulness. When I was a sinner, Christ died for me. When you were a sinner, while you're still a sinner, Christ died for you. Even though we rebel and go our own way, even though we live against the truth of God, even when you feel like you're a long way off from God, God's never a long way off from you because he's faithful. He keeps his covenant of loving devotion for a thousand generations. So if for no other reason, You should understand and depend on God's faithfulness because he proved to pay the ultimate price for your greatest need because he is good and his faithfulness is always to your benefit, whether it be through discipline or blessing. And if you haven't already chosen to accept that, that is what I encourage you to do. Choose to accept God's covenant of loving devotion through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross in your place and align with him, depend on him, grow in him. And every day for the Christian, okay, this is where a lot of Christians' brains turn off because they think I'm just talking to non-Christians who need to accept the gospel. So this is for everybody. Every day, even for the Christian, this choice remains before us. Today, Will I accept that I am a sinner in need of a Savior? Today, will I believe that Christ died on the cross in my place? Today, will I affirm that he defeated sin and death for all eternity by rising from the dead? Today, will I surrender all of my life to him and finally experience the unfailing joy of his faithfulness? That is a choice that I encourage you to make daily. Pray with me. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We praise you for your faithfulness. We praise you that it's not about us. 
but that we get to benefit from it. Thank you for always being good and always looking for ways to show us your goodness, whether it be through discipline or blessing. God, I pray right now that we would really get to know you, that we would be motivated to experience the joy of your faithfulness, and in that motivation that we would really get to know you, that we would praise you no matter what because you are worthy of our praise, and that we would obey you because that is right and because that will lead to the best life. And God, I pray that all of this would ultimately be for your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen.